1: This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella.
0: Now for those who have listened to my show, you know that I like to engage in discussions about big picture theories, about ideas, about the, the change in our world view, but at the end of the day, the reason why we do that, at least I do that, is that the end result of all this theorizing is very practical. The end result is to lead a longer, happier, more healthy life. Otherwise, it becomes just an academic pursuit. So today we're going to turn to the practical a little bit, and we're going to be talking about the joy potential and in thinking about this topic I am reminded uh, of Joseph Campbell who has this famous famous remark about the need to follow your bliss and he put it like this he said follow your bliss if you do follow your bliss you put yourself on a kind of track that has been there all the while waiting for you and the life you ought to be living is the one you are living when you can see that you begin to meet people who are in the field of your bliss and they open the doors to you I say follow your bliss and don't be afraid and the doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be if you follow your bliss doors will open for you that wouldn't have been open for anyone else so today we're going to be talking about following your bliss and the joy potential. And I'm very happy to have on the show somebody who's done a lot of work in this area. Robert Sharp has been the host of a very successful radio show called Bringing Inspiration to Earth. For, for many years he has had guests from all over the world talking about how we can bring more empowerment more inspiration to earth he's also the author of the new book the joy potential where you least expect it robert welcome to the show it's great having you
1: thank you i it's a real pleasure to be here
0: well you know i think that your story is something that uh, everybody could could learn from because of this this need or this value in interweaving the practical with the inspirational and i think that that's that's really where the rubber meets the road but i'd like to begin with you talking a little bit about how you yourself got into the radio show business because there must have been something that led you down your path And i think it'd be helpful for the listeners for you just to talk about how how you started this and and uh, how it grew into what is now uh, a very popular uh, radio show, Bringing Inspiration to Earth.
1: Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, it, it is, and it's been one of those journeys that had many twists and turns, and it was one of those cases where I definitely was following my bliss, whether I knew it or not at the <laughs> time. But uh, it, it started in probably it was early 90s, Um, My partner had a radio show in Las Vegas, a a terrestrial show uh, there on one of the AM stations. And I was the background person. I was the one that was in charge of the marketing, the production, and uh, creation of commercials, all of those kinds of things. So I was very much behind the scenes um, in in that case. And that went on for a couple years. Uh, We had the show syndicated nationally for a while. Every once in a while, I was on the show with him um, just as a, as a stand-in. And each and every time that I was on the show, I listened to my voice, and I just cringed. It's like, yeah. oh, thank God I don't do this all the time. I yeah. could never, ever do this. And so uh, we did that for a while, uh, eventually moved to Albuquerque, he also had a, a terrestrial show there on one of the local FM stations. Again, I was behind the scenes and, you know, just kind of coordinated guests and and that kind of thing. Then about, uh, gosh, almost four and a half years ago now, I... You know, moved. I moved to South Carolina. I live in Myrtle Beach and was exploring the idea of doing my own show. Uh, my partner had kind of burned out on being a host, and I just thought it would be kind of fun for me to be able to have my own show, uh, even though I did not like the sound of my voice. I just kind of batted it back and forth. And for probably a, a good six to nine months, I had that uh, internal battle with myself, whether to do it or not and then thought it would be, you know, really fun to just kind of, you know, bring on people who are inspirational. Uh, gosh, about 15 years ago, I had a, a rather intuitive person in my life who kind of honed in on what she felt my role in this lifetime was, and that was to bring inspiration to Earth. That Basically, one of my talents was to take concepts and ideas and actually translate them into Reality. I did business plans. I have a a background in corporate training and in, in the restaurant, in the financial industry, and quite often I would basically take. Like uh, computer programmers, you know, when they put together programs, I would put together all of the training manuals and everything that everybody needed to be able to make the system work. So anyway, that resonated with me that the whole idea of my life was bringing inspiration to Earth. So when it came time for me to actually uh, sit up and, you know, kind of get out of my own way, um, in October of of 2010, the domain site uh, company that I use for my other websites, uh, notified me that the .me extension was available. So I thought, well, you know, I've been playing with the idea of bringing inspiration to Earth, or BITE, you know, it's an acronym, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny to do a .me? Yeah. But that was taken, so anyway, I did a BITE radio. And so anyway, in October 2010, the uh, Bringing Inspiration to Earth show was launched, nice. and I started from October to December I started doing just one show per week, one hour show per week. Then probably around uh November, December time frame I I moved it up to three shows per week because I had um a pretty good interest in the idea. You know there's so many inspirational people out there that want to get their message out and and then and in, in so for gosh from December of 2010 or January 2011 all the way up through the beginning of this year, I had three shows per week. And in that time frame, I built up uh, a group of publisher um, uh, publicists and some publishers who would re- routine, routinely send people my way. And then in January of this year, I decided to challenge myself to go ahead and move on to a five-days-a-week show. And it was one of those cases where I thought, let's see if I can do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, if, if that I... would
0: be, that's, that's incredible. That's incredibly challenging. One of the, one of the natural questions here, here that I think is really a commentary on this field, this whole field about inspiration, self-help, empowerment, open-mindedness, is for those people like yourself, that have been in this field for a while do you do you feel like that the pool of people that are interested in this message is increasing staying the same what what's what's your observation on that robert
1: um, I, I i do believe it's increasing you know i i believe that the with the breakdown in structures or you know, the collapse of materialism as you put it in your book you know, with that kind of uh, shift happening so many structures and systems that people relied on in order to live daily are really kind of breaking down and, and disintegrating so that leads people I think to naturally go within to try and find some idea as to what's next, you know, what do I need to build as a structure to, you know, live my life. And so with that, yeah, I, I do believe that it's, it's increasing, you know, um, and and I think that's a good thing because I think people are getting more in, in tune with themselves and, and leading a better lives, happier lives for themselves.
0: Yeah, I think one one observation I would make here is that I think that it's this whole field is becoming more real. It, there's a lot of strains of development, but I think this 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 uh, conclusion that this field is becoming more real is really to me the power of it because if you look back. At the history of the quote-unquote self-help movement, and I'm using self-help as only one description. I think the there's so many other descriptions uh, that would fit, such as New Age, New spirituality, New consciousness, all this, all this stuff. That there was Norman Vincent Peale with the power of positive thinking about you know 60 years ago or so. There was a number of books um, by by uh, Brian Tracy and and by um, others that we're talking about more motivation for for work and on on how to get the most out of your out of your um, your your work life and your career but but recently I think that there's been an explosion of these books and I think it's starting to penetrate uh, the, our mindsets a little bit as as we as we're starting to see, like the book Proof of Heaven, uh, by the by the the neuroscientist or or, or neurologist that have the life after death experience, and the book uh, I am a I am the placebo by Joe Dispenza, who by the way will be on my show in a couple weeks, uh, you know books like that where the the point of them is to show how thoughts beliefs have a real physical impact upon our bodies and the world, uh, that kind of stuff can't be ignored. And so I think that the reason why I hope and believe that this movement is continuing and growing in strength is because of the proof, the evidence, the real life uh, examples that are appearing more and more showing that that following these tools actually makes for a better life and a more healthier physical body it's not just happy talk anymore so I'm not sure what you think about that but that that's one observation I would make
1: yeah I I agree and it is those that personal experience from people who have a, a a scientific kind of education or training that when they experience those uh, circumstances or events that don't fit into that that worldview that they had then they're really forced to to make a shift and and to accommodate and and since they experience it personally they recognize that it's yeah i mean it gives it a whole new dimension it's no longer the other person who is kind of a, a quack or, or doesn't know what they're talking about. Instead, it's the individual, the scientist, yeah. who who had that experience and is now forced to really reconsider, you know, their view of, of their experience.
0: Yeah, and I just did a—I just finished an article that I think is going to be published. Uh, I forget where. I think Watkins. But but one observation I made there when I, I had a little paragraph or two about the placebo effect and, and psychic phenomenon— that it really only takes one one true, one actual example of a psychic phenomena to prove the theory true, to prove that psychic phenomena is real. And I, I think that's really, and the same thing for the placebo effect. Although the placebo effect, it's easy to get confused over, over where the beliefs are coming from. But if you take the the perspective that, when a strong belief influences the physical body you have a connection between an ephemeral thought and then the physical world that is not supposed to be occurring my my point is is that the the evidence continues to build and as that evidence builds it becomes impossible to ignore or more difficult to ignore so now getting back to to your own transformation or your own growth as a radio show host, um, what 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 do you think? Have are the obstacles that most people face or some people face in in bringing more inspiration to themselves or in following their bliss? What's 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 well, your observation well,
1: there? Yeah, and that's that's interesting. I, I, i would think probably the biggest um, component in that is fear yeah. you know i i've just recognized that there are and, and fear in many ways you know fear of failure fear of the unknown um just uncertainty you know it, it's to me it is that that is what stifles people from pursuing you know, what it is, you know, the heart desires, because quite often what the heart wants and what the head says are, are, you know, quite often different. And and so I think a lot of times people really let the head win out, you know, in in their decision making and and choices that they make to be able to, you know, have a happier life or or experience less stress and, and less Fear and anger and, and all of those other types of feelings that kind of detract from from an inspirational life.
0: Yeah, I think I think that is I think that's that's right on. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Robert Sharp, the host of the popular radio show Bringing Inspiration to Earth, and also the author of the new book Joy Potential and I think that that is really something that all of us all of us face and it's so real and that is the fear of change or the fear of trying something new of going outside the box and you know I wish there was some magic to helping people do that because you know Robert I was I was thinking about this as I was reading your book that that you you write and I think we we would agree that it's important to live your own life Uh, don't let other people live it for you but if you carry that to like a friend who you may not believe is following their bliss or following their joy but or exploiting their joy potential what do you tell that other person that other person is doing is doing what they want to do they are they are leading their own lives but you could see that that they're not that that they're not uh sort of exploring or using all of their potential I mean my example would be I have a friend of mine who insists on taking care of his very old parents by living with them okay now so he's sort of living the life of his parents right now and I I I struggle I struggle with whether there's anything I could do about it what what's your thoughts about that sort of conflict between living your own life and influencing somebody that you think is not living the best life Mm. themselves
1: okay well that's yeah that's an interesting one the first of all when it comes to you know influencing someone and you know trying to guide them excuse me to maybe explore their their potential that to me that's kind of a, a tricky situation because it's really up to the individual now now your friend for example you know spending that time with living with his, with his parents right now it's for for him you know it truly may be a critical element for him to experience you know to to be there for his parents for you know for whatever reason um you know it's maybe it does limit him to you know uh going out having fun living a life different from you know what you think might he might enjoy more um and and he may actually not be enjoying that caretaking position as, as much you know so much but you know the fact is is he that is something that he's choosing to do at this moment and so um, you know so for me you know that kind of thing I I really try to like whenever I encounter that I kind of try to step back and and recognize that everyone has you know the right to choose what they want and, and where they get their joy now you know, for some people, I've had a few guests on, um, one in particular I can think of. She wrote a book uh, about her taking care of her parents with Alzheimer's, and it drove her absolutely nuts, absolutely crazy every single day. I mean, they, she had to remind them who she was. You know, um, it was not a, a fun kind of um, event for her. But, after they both passed, she, in hindsight, would not have changed it one bit, you know, yeah. because it, it was one of those things where she felt she needed to be there. She felt now with them passed on, that she has a connection still that is stronger than if she hadn't done that. So yeah. you know and, and, and with her value system and that kind of thing, that that was really important and now. So you know that 's like in the one case of of your friend now i I do happen to have a friend i also who uh truly does not um pursue you know potential opportunities i mean it's it's a constant i'm i'm amazed constantly when when this person is presented with opportunities and and he says. You know that he wants these things that he's been searching for these things and 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 yet every time that he's presented with it, he has an excuse or a reason why he doesn't open that door yeah. and and I just sit back and i you know and i I just pointed out to him, you know listen, you know you're asking for this, you're getting it presented to you, you're choosing not to, so obviously you know you're choosing to be. Want to to be in need rather than being you know as far as being satisfied. So, but that that's his choice and and you know and it's, again it's kind of like a choosing to be uh, needy and unfulfilled over being happy and satisfied. But yeah. it's his choice.
0: Yeah, you know, you know. It, at times like that I wish I was like a professor, and and these and these friends of mine were students where I could assign them <laughs> reading. And I would uh-huh. give them a test, and and I would I would reverse I would reverse roles. I mean, if someone wants to sign me a book, that's fine. I'm I'm not I'm not going to always be in, in the role of a professor. But there's so many books out there, including yours, The Joy Potential, uh, that that talk about this very topic about about finding what, what makes you happy and, and, and following it and in, and ingraining it into your life. And, and I think that is one great thing about this genre and about the radio shows that we have on this topic is that it's sort of an indirect subliminal way to get that message across because I agree with you telling somebody your life is screwed up, change it is it it may it may work for your children up to up to the pound up to the about ten years old. and I <laughs> personal experience on this. but after that, it's it. You're probably going to be in a worse shape than you started the conversation. But it's it, but it but it's one of those things. So let's let's talk about this a little bit more, though, because you you identified fear as being an obstacle to to receiving these messages. What do you think is the best way to overcome that fear?
1: Well, okay, and the best way is to really. Look to see maybe if you can identify the basis of the fear. Now, I've, like I mentioned kind of early on, I just did not like the sound of my voice. You know, and when it came time to making the decision to, to do the radio show, I just, I literally had to tell myself to get out of my own way. And, and, and I had fears of like who would listen, would I even go on for a month? you know, to be able to do it. And it's almost four years later. So that kind of thing, you know, happened. And and I think the, what, what has, what I have used to overcome fearful situations is number one, recognize kind of where it's coming from. If I can just step into it, you know, um, go for it, uh, try to eliminate that as a barrier to, to what uh, what I want to experience, so you know, I guess the, the best thing is that to, to really kind of just go for it head on, you know, and and recognize that you know sometimes because again, like sometimes there was you know fear of the unknown or fear of failure. Quite often, people really choose not to do something because they fear they're going to fail. But again, failure is just. Um, one point of view (laughs) you know every time that i've had a quote failure it really has really taught me something i've i've really you know moved on i've felt better that at least i tried you know and to me there's nothing worse than you know being presented with an opportunity and just not trying
0: well that's one thing that i tell people um at at work and also for my my personal life and my and my uh, publishing and media uh, career, is that is that if I'm if I'm any good at what I do, it's because I've made so many mistakes, and 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 that is one advantage of being older is that we have experience to look back on. One of one of my um, favorite sayings on this comes from Jack Canfield. You know the author of the Chicken for Soup Mm -hmm. series, Chicken Soup for the Soul series, uh, who who said something like, uh, "Feel the fear but do it anyways," and that that is that's a good way to put it. uh, You know, confronting it uh, head on. And one thing that I think you notice is that, as the quote from Joseph Campbell uh, said in the beginning, that I read in the beginning of the show. Not only do you have companionship when you're following your bliss, but you have companionship in in confronting fear. Because everybody confronts fear uh at one time or another and most most in in most instances it's multiple times a day. So so I think that that, that is uh, that is really important. Now, I always wonder as as we go through this, we have something out there called the quantum theory, and you touch upon it in your book, and I know on your show you've had a number of people talking about the quantum theory, but do you yourself see any relationship between quantum theory, you know, this world of possibilities, and and the joy potential? Do, do you draw any connection there, or, or has quantum theory taught you anything about inspiration?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. When the, one of the things I think, Probably the biggest thing that I've gotten out of the quantum theory or the quantum perspective is the idea of unlimited possibilities. You know, the the idea that, you know, there's, there's all of these, you know, packets of possibilities that we have in our, you know, around us as far as being able to help guide our life and to, to me that is probably the biggest uh, biggest aspect. In addition to those possibilities is the realization that anything can happen at any particular time and you know there's that uh, there's some kind of a beauty in in the chaos of it
0: all. <laughs> yeah I think that it's hard to come up with an interpretation of quantum theory that's going to please everybody. Because the the New Agers of the world are criticized by modern quantum theorists as sort of sort of confusing and taking a taking sort of a a um, pseudoscience, uh, interpretation of quantum theory, and I think some of that is frankly justified uh, because because quantum theory is really a science of physical reality, and it really does have. Of a mathematical physical underpinning on the other hand it also shows without dispute that there is not a fixed material world out there it's uh, we don't live in in the world of a, of a machine it is in some ways malleable it is a world of possibilities and so so I at the same time where I would agree with many scientists um, who, who criticized the New Age type interpretations uh, such as in the Tao of Physics and the Dancing Lulu Masters. Uh, those two books interpreted uh, quantum theory sort of to be consistent with Eastern mysticism. But, it, but at the end of the day, quantum theory says that we do live in, in, a, in a world of wave equations, energy packets, possibilities, whatever description you want to give. It is not fixed. And therefore, there has to be some truth to the notion that we do make our own world in one way or the other. And I think that that, that is really important. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Robert Sharp, the author of Joy Potential, Where You Least Expect It. He's also the host of the long-running popular Internet radio show and bringing inspiration to Earth. Now, I'd like to move here a little bit to this notion of synchronicities, which is really something that has always fascinated me. And your book, "The Joy Potential," is, has, has uh, synchronicities in it, and it's you know, and when you think about it, all stories do. Because the author is writing the story, but but what what if, what have you learned from synchronicities, and do you see any relationship between synchronicities and sort of being on the right path or, or the right path of bliss? What, what what's your spin on it? Okay, it's a very good question. As far as the
1: idea. What I think of of synchronicities when when I experience them, I just realize that it is there's something that's happened that is out of the ordinary, and something that I stop and give attention to, you know, whether or not, you know, whatever it is for for whatever reason, I feel that I am experiencing something that requires me to take that little extra time and raise my awareness of what just happened. Um, so as far as how I see them, you know, to me, it's kind of like an an awareness generating mechanism, you know, as far as being able to... For me, for whatever reason, whether it's my spirit, my soul, my life, there's some reason that I need to pay attention. So I I do that, and and then I appreciate those because so many times in life we just go through our daily routine and really don't pay attention to a lot of the things that go on around us. So uh, now whether or not it's uh, a connection to following my bliss or following my path, I think part of the time that it's that you know it happens some of the time for that but not all of the time I mean there are times when you know there will be a synchronicity where maybe I will schedule a guest for my show and then all of a sudden you know something pops up either on Facebook or on television or even on radio that you know highlights that individual or what they're talking about you know that kind of thing so in, in that situation, I recognize that, yes, I'm kind of being shown that this is exactly what I need to do for my path, for my work. Um, but then again, there are times when, you know, synchronicities happen that uh, maybe um, maybe a friend was in need of something, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm shown, you know, a, uh, a link or, or a book maybe happens to cross my path that I know that this individual would benefit from reading. So, you know, and that kind of thing, whether or not it's part of my path, I don't know. But again, it's one of those things that I, it raises an awareness in me and causes me to take notice and or take action.
0: Yeah. I think that synchronicities are, are so, as I said, are are so interesting and I've had a number of guests on the show on my own show here, that that relate the experience of synchronicities to being on your on your path, and I don't know if you recall I'm sure you've read the Celestine prophecy you know one of those early <laughs> oh, yeah. early new age books which was widely ridiculed and widely read uh, and but one of the messages in that book did, res- did-, did resonate, I think, with a lot of people, where he said, he said, once you're on the path, you're going to be experiencing more synchronicities. Now, now, he wrote it in a way like it was a revelation, uh, and maybe at the time it was. But, but I do think that there is something to it. And, and, but I think you put it well, Robert, where you said, you know, stop and, and identify them. Because sometimes you could be down in the dumps as well. And maybe off off your off your path and experience a synch, a synchronicity you know i I like to write mine down and frankly I have like a ranking system because some of them you know I don't know whether they would qualify or not you know it's sort of like because because the scientists the materialist scientists are saying you know would say well that's just that's just a coincidence you know and if you have enough experiences that um that you're bound to have some some rare, some some rare coincidence. I mean, I I don't think that doesn't do it for me. I mean, one of the uh, one of the synchronicities that I put in my book that always always is amazed me is the one where uh, a woman lost her wedding a potato farmer lost her lost her wedding ring in a, in a in a in a in the potato patch, and like three years later she's shopping, buys a bag of potatoes and finds the ring in a bag of potatoes. I mean that to me is like beyond, <laughs> beyond a coincidence. I, I mean that is that is something else. So I've not yet found a ring and a potato, but <laughs> but but there's certain things like that to say. Hey, take stand up and take notice. There might be something going on here. So so I think that that I I do think that that synchronicities uh, are meaningful. Uh, but I do think the jury is out on on really. Uh, what messaging we should be getting from that. Now, now let's talk about the joy potential for a moment. Um, what what led you to write that book? Well, I had been told that I was going to write this uh, V
1: book, you know, for Cass in, in the early '90s. But actually, was even told that I would write it, you know, in the year that I did. And it, I had tried for years to write. A book, and it always turned out to be a training manual, just like my <laughs> you know, my training had been. And I knew that that wasn't what I was meant to write. But it, joy potential truly was inspired each day. I mean, I I walk every day as part of my routine. I start every day, have a two to three mile walk, and that's just I spend time kind you of you know, mentally going through the either going through the day or, or just, you know, enjoying nature or whatever. And it was just on one day the idea or or the the plot for joy potential just popped into my head. And I immediately went back to, to the computer and sat down and jotted it down. And at that moment, you know, I, I kind of I what I got that day, I wrote. And then I thought, okay, now let's do some more. But I, but I could not do any more. It was very, very frustrating. Now, some writers, you know, sit down and, and write an outline and, and kind of uh, fill in, you know, the, the details, you know, once they have the outline completed. But for me, that didn't work. It just, uh, I tried it and, and it didn't work. And so it ended it up. Every single day I would walk and every single day I was kind of, shown what it was that I was going to write. And it, and it truly got to the point where, I mean, things that I was writing I had no idea you know, that that was going to be in the book. Um, some of the twists and turns that that came, I had absolutely no preconceived ideas. And it got to the point where I literally was anxious to walk every day just so I could find out what was going to happen next.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, that that is really the way the process of inspiration works for me as well. I mean, as a lawyer, it's a, it's different. I write in a much more logical way, where I'll I will outline a brief, a, a letter, because you know where you're going. But but true inspiration, where you're venturing into the unknown, where you're doing something, you're trying to do something original. Uh, that that that's the way it works for me, and I know that feeling where where you write and you're maxed out and nothing else is coming, nothing else, no, no other idea is coming. And when you think about it, there is a segue there. Uh, we have two segues. We have a we 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 have a segue from synchronicities because I think there is probably a relationship between the two, uh, between inspiration and synchronicities. But also, also it's it's this whole question about inspiration. You know what what is inspiration? You say well, someone's talking to you. I've I've had people on the show uh, mediums, like I'm sure you have, and sometimes. I can't tell the difference between a medium and inspiration. They seem like like some of them seem to be similar, like a similar thing. And some, some people attribute the source of the inspiration to some great mystic or some uh, spiritual being somewhere. But some of them, like me, I just attribute it to the mind. You know, it's, it's feeding us things and we're just there to receive it. But but anyways, um now with regard to your book and just so people know it is available on your website, I will put that link on the description here, but you you yourself found your your bliss or your joy potential. And and what what was it about about the the radio show that you thought did that for you?
1: Well, it's interesting because initially I did not look at it as Joy Potential, the radio show. Um, As a matter of fact, it was really started off being just a let's just see where it goes and you know, try and have a good time with it. And so it really changed when I had a, a guest on my show, and this was one of those cases where I was presented with a pitch for, from someone to be on my show, and, and her book was about marrying a sociopath <laughs> and how that helped her on her spiritual path. Well, this was not something that I was, <laughs> was really drawn to do. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, I looked at it, and I really had it in the pending For for a while, and then I decided, you know, this was one of those cases where why not do it? Who knows? Um, When I did that show, I ended up getting responses from from several people how it had really changed their life. That that individual spoke to them, you know, and that it truly the, the resources that she had available on her website just shifted their lives. And so it was at that point then I recognized that you know, the show was a little bit more than just being entertaining or, you know, just chit chat, you know, that it really had some potential to make a difference in in people's lives. So once that happened, then it shifted for me, then I, then it became more of a passion to, to try and present stories and people who I believe The listeners would be able to either identify with, or can maybe gain some kind of of hope and you know positive thinking or shifting in their life once once they heard the story.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a uh, there's a passage in your book that I think goes to that. It's 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 it's, Mm -hmm. part of it is success is to have lived your life and left the world and people in it better than when you entered co-creating with others to improve life building relationships through a lot of individual experiences and finally to inspire should be our daily focus and and that that i thought said a lot and just as a footnote there this co-creation is is a good description uh we've had guests on the show recently uh, that we also talk about co-creation but it's this co-creation this 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 idea that we're in it together, that there's power in numbers and that by sort of moving moving the the big ship along a little bit, advancing the ball towards towards a higher plane, more inspiration, something better is is really powerful and it puts you in a place where where it feels right. I mean I, I know I know the same. You know the same thing from my own um my own journey that it it does sort of um it 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 feels it feels right now with regard to uh this idea about following your bliss you know you know one of the things that i think is important here and i and, and is that we need to find joy and bliss in as many things as possible we need to find the joy in the little things as well. What What do you think about that?
1: Absolutely, yes. I, you know, that's the one thing that I hope that people who, who read the joy, who read joy, potential, will really gain out of that is that each and every day we have to have so many different possibilities to to be joyful, to be happy, to you know experience. Um, some sense of um, of laughter and, and I agree that it's my belief that if we appreciate and experience those little things every day that they it's a cumulative effect that that if you start the day like I like I mentioned, I walk every day now. In in my neighborhood here in the south, you know everybody waves to everybody, whether you know them <laughs> or not. You know, hello, yeah. hello. You're up when I was up living in New York, that wasn't the way, but here it <laughs> is, and. And by the time that I finish my walk, I will have said hello and waved and smiled at at least a couple dozen people, mm-hmm. you know, and people who I don't know, but I mean, people who will wave to me mm-hmm. who don't know, you know, who will initiate it. So by the time that I'm back, I mean, I'm starting my day smiling and happy and, you know, have also, you know, created a smile on you know, a couple dozen people. So. You know, and it's that kind of thing that I think people can do every day. You know, and the more that you do it, you know, coming back and starting the day feeling happy or smiling and a little bit of bouncing the step only serves to make the rest of the day go by better, you know, yeah. easier. As yeah,
0: well. yeah. Now let me let me be very clear here because I think this is this is one of the biggest challenges that we face I think in in our modern in our modern world is finding pleasure laughter in the small things because it's a lot easier said than done that's that's the problem I think and you know I'm I think it's sort of like a a discipline it's that you got that you have to keep working at to what's what's the name of that book uh, don't 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 sweat the small stuff, and then you realize it's all small <laughs> stuff. I mean that, that was a, you know, a really good yeah. thing. And it's it's really, you know, that's why. Uh, just speaking for myself, I mean, and I think any guest on any guest on this show, nobody has it all figured out, because we could figure out the theories, but incorporating them into our daily lives and mastering ourselves is a never-ending journey and by mastering ourselves ourselves i really mean that we do find we do actually find the joy in 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 the in the minor stuff like like doing the laundry or mowing the grass paying the bills I tell you, it's awfully hard to find joy in some of that stuff <laughs> but but, but and, and you know it's but it but it's but it's a challenge. This is Philip Camella. This is conversations beyond science and religion. I'm speaking with Robert Sharp, the author of The Joy Potential, where you'd least expect it. He's also the host of the popular radio show Bringing Inspiration to Earth, and we're trying to make make these lessons real, uh, bringing them down to earth, bringing inspiration to earth here. So so now. In terms of, of I don't want to give away the the ending, the ending <laughs> to your book, but but what what message what message do you want to leave the reader with, with your book?
1: Yeah, well, well there's a, there's a couple. The probably the first one you know, we talked a little bit about fears. You know, in in the the book, first of all, even though the character, the main character is not identified by name, gender, or anything like that. It is a lot of the struggle that I work through. Um but I I did it in the the first person so that any reader who would come across, you know, a, a challenge that the, the character has that they may be able to identify in themselves and then as the character works through the challenge then the hopefully the reader would also be able to be to come along with the character and maybe make a shift for themselves um so it, you know part of it is really that people who have some type of the the negative chatter the negative self talk that happens and and I had one of the best teachers in, in negative training so you know I I, <laughs> I work really hard at uh, making sure that to, to change those tapes and, and update them so that's that's one thing and then the to recognize that the, the our life you know, is interconnected That anything that we do will have a ripple effect to people around us that we may not even realize you know that 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 is the case. So it really kind of lends, you know, the belief that if you're in the post office, you know, talking to the postman, you know, make it a good experience. If you're in the grocery store, talk, you know, make it that a good experience. Where, wherever you are dealing with whomever in whatever capacity, make it a positive experience because you never know the ripple effect that would only not only influence their lives, but may even come back and touch your lives so yeah that's that's another one
0: yeah that I think that I think that's really good. I think that's an important message the it, because it has some uh, some similarities to karma, uh the karmic field and and what goes around comes around but but I do think that that's that's sort of one of the natural outcomes of this movement towards a spiritual or unified world. Um, which, of course, I believe in. The, uh, we don't quite understand it all, but it starts giving more meaning to these notions about the ripple effect it, because it, it, what, who is that... Uh, I forgot who it was that talked about uh, if the butterfly flaps its wings. It's, uh, oh, yeah, that felt with, across... Yeah, conclusion. I'm not sure if yeah. that was Richard Bach or whether it was... Uh, maybe he was quoting from somebody. But But that's sort of an analogy that ta- that goes to this goes to this ripple effect because you never know who you might influence and it's like if if to the extent we 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 can inject goodness into the quote unquote karmic field it can only be a positive thing and you know one of the problems i think that we've had uh robert and this is me sort of um sort of giving my opinion on this and with a lot of orthodox religion you know we're sort of taught to be good because because we're supposed to be good and we don't realize that at least in my mind we we should be good because we are influencing the world at large uh you know i also i i want to point out to the listener that robert's also you also have folks uh on environmental awareness uh on your show you also you know you're a multi-talented host here <laughs> but 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 you know this whole notion of climate change is really a in some ways a metaphor for how individuals do and can affect the world if, if the if the emissions if our own emissions affect the greenhouse gases and therefore affect the climate you know on that level we can affect the world and maybe really what we're talking about is sort of a spiritual analog to climate change so so, why don't you? I I like you just because it's it's important. It's related. Um, how how did you how did you get involved in the environmental awareness side of this as well?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, again, just I you call it a synchronicity. Yeah,
0: okay, but, there you uh, go.
1: What, what what happened was, uh, gosh, probably about a year and a half ago, my next door neighbor had had just found out that I had written my book. And in a Sunday paper, notice that there was a local author networking meeting and cut out the little post-it, gave it to me. That was on a Sunday. They were to meet on Tuesday. So I went to that meeting just as a fluke. And during that meeting, I met three women who each had written children's books that were uh, inspirational types of children's books. And a week prior to that, I had uh, a guest on my show who had written a children's book, but she had been on the show before and written about her experience about her fiancé who had been murdered in her like afterlife communication with him. But she ended up having this children's book as a result of a dream, and I had her on, on Saturday. He gives me this article Sunday, on Tuesday I meet these women. And I decided that moment that I obviously needed it to pay attention. So I started the children's corner, which I also have, and, and it's just really ins- people who have inspirational messages for children. One of those individuals, uh, she wrote a book called "Sully Saves the Seas," and it's about a seagull who works on you know combating plastic pollution with all of his sea uh, bird buddies. Uh, but anyway, I went to speak with her prior to her being on my show, and she was an environmental, you know, guru. You know, she's just right. an activist that is just absolutely wonderful and just kind of got me all fired up. So right after that, she basically started sending some people my way who were environmentally aware, and I had, I've had i had some really wonderful guests on, and, and I know environment. I'm one from Australia talking about environmental sensitivities, I had uh, Captain Charles Moore, who who discovered the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, um, with all of that, where all of the gyres kind of come together, and it's all all the plastics kind of you know gather. And um, so anyway, it's and it's just really become a passion. So you know, from my neighbor's paper to a meeting to meeting with children's authors to an, an environmental activist that got me all there.
0: Yeah, you know, life is life is one big synchronicity that that's that's really <laughs> what we have to keep in mind i mean it really is one big some some things are just so obvious you can't ignore them but <laughs> but it it really it really is a story it brings me it brings me i to this uh to to another one of my favorite topics which uh, i think is also involved in your book and that is precognitive dreams have you actually had a precognitive dream as well?
1: Yes, I have actually one documented dream where it was a it was in, uh, let's see, 1989. Yeah, obviously, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But uh, it was one of those cases where in, in my dream, it was just very clear. I was visiting, I was with a woman who I thought was my sister, but it wasn't my sister in the dream. It was just one of those senses. Um, in the dream, there was a spirit, Ryan, who wanted to talk with her, and she wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. And, I mean, it was in the dream. I went back and forth. I mediated their all night long, and I woke up, and I mean, it was just exhausting. But I woke up immediately and documented the whole thing. And at the time, I only knew of one Ryan in my, you know, circle, and that was an acquaintance's son. Um, absolutely, you know, had absolutely no connection to it. And that, that was that happened in October. I even mentioned it to a few friends, so they were you know, real clear as to what happened and when it happened. Then in December, my sister-in-law gave birth to a boy the the two names that they had planned were not Ryan but on he was born on Christmas Eve and then on Christmas Day I called him just out of the blue they decided to name him Ryan. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah that
0: is that is good. I, I bring it up because there is some of that influence uh of precognitive dreams in in your in your book and the relationship between dreams and reality, which of course is one of my favorite topics. Now, now we have we have quickly come to the end here, and before we close down shop, uh, why don't you just talk, tell people a little bit about uh, how to find out more about you and how to listen in a, to your own radio show. Robert. Great,
1: yes, thank you. The my radio show is, of course, like you mentioned, Bringing Inspiration to Earth, and they can find uh, everything on my website, which is www.biteradio.me, that's biteradi ome And on there, I have a calendar link, and uh, people can just click on that, and they can see what shows are up and coming. Um, Currently, I've got uh, June through August all all up there and booked, and people can click on that show link if if there's something of interest, and then it brings them up a show page, and they can set a reminder if they want to see that. Um, They can also visit the archives page from my website, and on it, I have you know several hundred <laughs> shows that are listed either by guests in alphabetical order or also chronologically in a drop-down menu so and then if they're interested in the book they can visit my book website which is www.joybook.me and then on that I have all kinds of things from from reviews to uh, information and ordering.
0: Okay, okay, that's great and Robert uh, thank you so much for being with us and I guess uh, what I what I like to leave the listener with is just is just the importance of incorporating these ideas into into our daily lives. I I don't think theory works as much as I love theory. I don't think theory works unless it's also lived. And I think that this notion of the joy potential, exploring exploiting exploiting our own potential for joy and following your bliss and finding bliss as many places as possible is something uh, that, that we cannot but benefit from and something that I think we wind up not only improving our own health but hopefully the health of others and of our planet. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camilla. To find out more about Philip and his
1: book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.